My name is Keith Devers, and I think I enjoyed the 80s more than the 90s. I think. What's going on, wine lovers? Welcome to episode 19 of Vine Pair's Wine 101 podcast. My name is Keith Beavers. I'm the tasting director of Vine Pair. And how you doing? Cabernet Sauvignon. We all know the, the, the words Cabernet Sauvignon, but what do we really know about Cabernet Sauvignon? And what do you need to know about Cabernet Sauvignon to just really understand Cabernet Sauvignon? And I just keep on saying it because we have to talk about Cabernet Sauvignon. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Louis M. Martini Winery. For more than 85 years, Louis M. Martini Winery has crafted world-class Cabernet Sauvignon from exceptional vineyards of Napa and Sonoma counties. Our founder believed in a simple, honest premise. The best grapes make the best wine. This guy was one of the OGs, guys. Today, the legacy of ingenuity, endurance, and passion continue at the historic winery in Napa Valley with an acclaimed collection of unforgettable Cabernet Sauvignon wines. Louis M. Martini, craft your legacy. You know, during the uh, Chardonnay episode, when I was throwing around some stats and it was like, wow, that's mind-boggling, geez. Like, Chardonnay is everywhere. It must be the most planted grape variety for wine on the planet, right? Nah. That's Cabernet Sauvignon, wine lovers. And I'm sure as an American wine lover, an American drinker, you know Cabernet Sauvignon, right? I mean, it's just like, the it's one of those wines that we just kind of know. I and mean, for a long time in the United States, red wine was Cabernet Sauvignon, white wine was Chardonnay. It's just kind of how we roll, man. I mean, there's a reason for it, but. And what's unique about this grape variety is that with, you know, Pinot Grigio, Chardonnay, and Pinot Noir, they're not often blended with other varieties. You're usually getting a Pinot Grigio, a Pinot Noir, or a Chardonnay. Um, I mean, they're, they're blended sometimes, but, you know, in the majority, they're not. With Cabernet Sauvignon, two things. Number one, it's often blended with another variety. And number two, even with its blending of other varieties, it's always pretty much distinctly Cabernet Sauvignon. And what I mean about that is there is a character to this wine that is undeniable, even if it has other varieties blended with it. It's one of the most structured wines out there. It has more phenolic material in it than other well-known varieties. It has more tannin structure. It has a deeper color. The berries are very distinct and very blue. And that distinct blue allows it to really macerate for a long... You can macerate cab for a long time and get it nice and deep. And in the wine cellar, this is the wine that has an affinity for French oak. It, it does... It is... French oak and Cabernet Sauvignon are almost made for each other. And with all this, it is very much of a long-term aging wine. This is the wine that developed. When people talk about aging wine, this is one of the first wines people think about. It's Cabernet Sauvignon. When we talked about Pinot Noir, it was a lot about terroir, right? This is where terroir basically came from. The idea that Pinot Noir can translate the soil or the microclimate into the wine. And we talk about Chardonnay, a lot of that is mostly about the malleability of Chardonnay. Plant it wherever you want, make your own style. So it's about style. And then, so with Cabernet Sauvignon, it's really about structure 
and vintage. Yes, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, they, they do age and they do evolve. But the thing about Cabernet Sauvignon is its evolution in the bottle is very distinct from year to year as it evolves and ages in the bottle. And what's just so amazing about Cabernet Sauvignon is that even though it's blended with other varieties, those other varieties are just supporting actors. Like these, they have roles to play, but not by no means as much as the Cabernet Sauvignon. And as it does age and evolve, it's the Cabernet Sauvignon that is showing its evolution more so than the other varieties it's blended with. And that's why it's always distinctly Cabernet Sauvignon. And I'm probably going to get crushed by the industry when I say this, but this is not really a terroir situation. Yes, it is. Yes, there is terroir involved in every grape that's grown in the sense of place and it makes it into the wine. But the blending and the aging and the structure and the watching it evolve and wow, this is an amazing natural phenomenon. That's really what I think Cabernet Sauvignon is all about. And all of this started, all of this blending and everything began in the place where the wine grape was born, in the Bordeaux region of France. We have a whole Bordeaux episode coming up, so I'm not going to get too into the Bordeaux thing. But what I, what's very interesting, when you're reading about Cabernet Sauvignon, there is actually a, a, a theory that the variety didn't even exist before the 18th century. That's crazy, right? Pinot Noir, Pinot Grigio, Chardonnay, all come from the same part, pretty much, of France, and they are old, 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 old. This is the first grape we're talking about that's, like, not that old, comparatively. So, if it's not that old, and it may not have shown up before the 18th century, what happened? It all seems to have started by an orphan grape that was originally from the Basque region of Spain, all the way in the northeastern part of Spain, where it was called Acheria. I'm probably butchering that. We've established that monks and monasteries were very involved and responsible for the maintaining of varieties and wines and the documentation of this. Well, there was clergy all over this part, from France, Germany, Spain, everywhere, and they were moving all over the place from one diocese to the next. So they were bringing grapes with them. This grape, Acharia, makes its way into France and eventually gets into the Loire Valley. Here it finds a home in most, in, well, primarily in a place called Chinon, a little town called Chinon. And here the grape changes names. The people of the Loire Valley call it Breton. And to this day, this grape is still sometimes called Breton. Interestingly enough, another grape variety that we've talked about before, Sauvignon Blanc, another grape that's never blended, (laughs) it's working its way from where it was born, supposedly, and it's making its home in Sancerre, which is in the Loire Valley, but then eventually it starts working its way down towards southwestern part of France where Bordeaux is. This grape, Breton, through all this connection, all this network of clergy and monks and all this stuff, eventually makes its way down into southwest France to where Bordeaux is today. And when it finds its home here, its name changes once again to Cabernet Franc. There's a lot of theories as to how it became the name Cabernet Franc. But in this region, again, we'll talk about this when we do the Bordeaux episode, but there was all this hodgepodge of vineyards and a lot of the vines were mixed, different varieties. There There was a moment where Cabernet Franc 
spontaneously crossed with Sauvignon Blanc. And the progeny of that union was Cabernet Sauvignon. That's the theory, that it was a spontaneous crossing in a vineyard. But the fact through DNA profiling is that Cabernet Sauvignon is the progeny of Sauvignon Blanc and Cab Franc. Pretty awesome. And by the end of the 18th century, things really started moving in Bordeaux and wines of longevity were starting to emerge and all this stuff and all these things. And we'll get into that when we do that episode. But the power and structure of Cabernet Sauvignon was undeniable from the get. But the thing is, in this climate, even though it's from here in this Bordeaux region, it had sometimes it would struggle to fully ripen. And in those cases, sometimes the wine needed a little bit of heft. It had the tannin, it had the structure, it had the color. It just needed a little more body. So sometimes some of the other native varieties of the area would be blended with it to kind of heft it up. Plump and fruity Merlot, a native to the region, would be added to add some fruitiness. Another native great Petit Verdot would be added for a little bit of spice. And then of course Cab Franc, can sometimes be added for a sort of more aroma, more perfume to the wine. This is the Bordeaux blend. This is what we in America and all around the world try to kind of emulate with Cabernet Sauvignon. And Bordeaux is a complex place, and we're going to talk about that in the, in the episode, but the, the, the real kind of headquarters, not the headquarters, the hub, the, the stronghold, like Cabernet Sauvignon thrives the most in what is called the left bank of the Gironde. The Gironde is this estuary that comes in from the Atlantic Ocean, and on the left bank of this are places with names like Medoc, Grave, Pesac, Leonion. These areas here have some of the most luxurious, exquisite, small production Bordeaux wines made primarily from Cabernet Sauvignon. This is the place that you hear all about when people are on in movies that are ordering very expensive wines from Bordeaux. These are the places they're ordering it from. So this is where it all began. Everything I talk about after this is pretty much a inspired by what happened here. So because this variety is the most planted variety on the planet, and pretty much because of the success of Bordeaux, we're not going to talk about it at all because we just can't. But I want to tell you about the specific places you're going to see on the American market where Cabernet is going to be readily available that you can enjoy whether it's a blend or not a blend. It's mostly going to be in a blend. And for this, we have to leave France because outside of Bordeaux, Cabernet Sauvignon in France is basically just kind of like, it's here and there, and you might see some of it on the American market from places like Languedoc, but it's not as prevalent. It's Bordeaux that's prevalent. So we have to leave France. And before we get away from Europe, I want to talk, I know I do this all the time, Italy, and specifically Tuscany. We have a whole Tuscany episode coming, but the thing about Italy, Italy Cabernet Sauvignon came to Italy Early on, in the 18, around the 1800s, came into Piedmont and made its way into Tuscany. And there's actually the, the, the whole Super Tuscan thing. You guys have I've heard about the Super Tuscans. We'll talk about that at some point. But the Super Tuscans in Italy were popular because they were made from Cabernet Sauvignon. They were being blended with the native grape Sangiovese, which is a Chianti grape of that, play, of that area. And it kind of brought this power and structure to the wines of this area and became very popular on the American market. So Cabernet Sauvignon is very popular and very important. So important in this area, there are two appellations that are fairly new, Bolgheri, B-O-L-G-H-E-R-I, and Marema, M-A-R-E-M-M-A, 
These Tuscan wine regions don't require Cabernet Sauvignon, but they allow up to 50% of Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, and Syrah, and all these different varieties from France. So it kind of shows you how important Cabernet Sauvignon can be in this area, and often Cabernet Sauvignon is blended into Sangiovese in these two DOCs. A DOC is just an Italian acronym for an Appalachian, an area, a wine region. Outside of Europe, before we get to California, because we have to, I want to talk about Chile, because you're going to see a lot of Cabernet Sauvignon from Chile on the American market. Cabernet Sauvignon is grown in all of Ch Chile's wine regions. And I can't get into all of it now, but what I will say is this. Ca Chile has a, a full range of Cabernet Sauvignon styles. They blend or they make 100% Cabernet Sauvignon, depending on whatever they want to do. And it can be kind of green and herby, or it can be big and structured like a new kind of like California style Cabernet Sauvignon. You're going to see a lot of it out there, and it's all very affordable. So it's a fun, it's a fun country to kind of play around with Cabernet Sauvignon and see what kind of what kind you might like in that, in that, from that country. By the end of the 19th century, Cabernet Sauvignon was already kind of in California. In the late 1800s, it was kind of known as a variety that did well in the area. But we have a very weird history in California and in the United States where we had this thing called Prohibition, where 10 years we couldn't drink. Well, we kind of did. But it decimated the entire wine industry, basically, of the United States and especially California. And it wasn't until like the 19, late 1960s, early 1970s that Americans already started drinking like dry red wine again. It was all sweet wine up until then. All that changed in 1976. Remember in the Chardonnay episode, we talked about this competition outside of Paris where a white wine from California won out over a white burgundy? Well, a red wine from California won out over a Bordeaux in that same competition. This competition was called the Judgment of Paris. And a Cabernet Sauvignon, 1973 Cabernet Sauvignon from the Stags Leap District of Napa Valley from Stags Leap Wine Cellars came in first. And this is, again, this is that watershed moment. From here on out, Chardonnay and Cabernet Sauvignon, this is when they began to be the, the varieties that we understand that became the red and the white wine of the United States through California. In 1933, just after the Volstead Act was repealed, after Prohibition was over, there were only, there was actually fewer than 100 acres of Cabernet Sauvignon throughout California. In 2013, that is now 80,000 acres. So today, California's got Cabernet Sauvignon all over the place. So we're going to concentrate on a few places that you can find. And again, a lot of this stuff is going to be blended. If it's, it'll, if it's a single vineyard wine and it's a Cabernet Sauvignon, it will not be blended. If it's an estate wine, it may or may not be blended. But usually Cabernet, Cabernet Sauvignon, we have to understand, like Cabernet Sauvignon does well with blends. It likes to be blended. So that's what you're going to see when you get California wine. It's often going to be like that. When it comes to the Napa cabs that we hear about, the legendary Napa cabs that we hear about, it's probably going to be from Napa Valley. Napa Valley, by far, has the majority of these sort of age-worthy, sort of luxurious, big, beautiful, focused wines made from Cabernet Sauvignon. And Napa Valley, as an American viticultural area, or AVA, has a bunch of sub-AVAs or sub-regions within it with names like Oakville, Rutherford, um, Howell Mountain, Mount Veter, Carneros, the famous Stag's Leap District. These areas are known for their specific soil content, their elevation from 
above sea level and the sort of concentration of microclimates in that area. There's all these very kind of braggy, not braggy, but they're very proud of these small little areas. I've been up on mountains like Mount Howell Mountain or Mount Veter, where you get to the top of the mountain, there's like this little corner, and you go to this around this little corner, and there's like a little vineyard tucked away of Cabernet Sauvignon. They're very proud of their small production, and it's beautiful stuff, and it's crazy expensive. But if you have one of these wines, you understand why they're expensive. They're just the power, the structure, the immensity, but the balance of these wines are just like stupid as in stupid good. Neighboring Napa to the west is Sonoma. And in Sonoma, there are two places, two subregions called Alexander Valley and Sonoma Valley. You're going to see big, powerful Cabernets coming out from there. And I really want to mention Mendocino. It's north of this area. It has a nice, cool climate. And the Cabernets coming out of, well, there's a lot of sub-regions sub in this area as well. But Anderson Valley is the most well-known. And that has just wonderful, sort of big, powerful, balanced Cabernet Sauvignons as well. Again, most of these are blended. And the blends are usually the varieties that you would see in Bordeaux. Merlot, Petit Verdot, uh, sometimes Malbec, because Malbec is originally a Bordeaux variety. But they take advantage of that 75% rule we talked about in a few episodes ago. <laughs> Down south in the central coast of California, there's also Cabernet Sauvignon. And they can be, full, they're, they're full bodied, they're plump, they're, they're structured, they have high alcohol, but they're very balanced. There's a ton of acidity and just, it's a really interesting style of Cabernet Sauvignon. The central coast does a lot of other stuff we're going to talk about in another episode, but there are some cool ones down there. And last but not least, I want to mention Washington State. Washington State is a very unique place for Cabernet Sauvignon. You really get these sort of more leaner, structured styles of wine. And this is an area where they blend, but they also have 100% Cabernet Sauvignon as well. So that's Cabernet Sauvignon in a nutshell. It's big, it's bold, you know it, you love it. Now you know where to get it and where to get it from. So when you're on those wine shelves and supermarkets and wine shops, you know what you're looking at. And try to find Cabernet Sauvignon from all over the world because, again, it's the most planted variety in the world. So enjoy, guys. If you're digging what I'm doing, picking up what I'm putting down, go ahead and give me a rating on iTunes or tell your friends to subscribe. You can subscribe. If you like to type, go ahead and send a, you know, a review or something like that. But let's get this wine podcast up so everybody can learn about wine. Check me out on Instagram. It's at VinePairKeith. I do all my stuff and stories. And also, you've got to follow VinePair on Instagram, which is at VinePair. And don't forget to listen to the VinePair podcast, which is hosted by Erica, Adam, and Zach. It's a great deep dive into drinks culture every week. Now for some credits. How about that? Wine 101 is recorded and produced by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the VinePair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mellon. I also want to thank Daniel Grinberg for making the most legit Wine 101 logo. And I gotta thank Darby Seaside for making this amazing song. I mean, listen to this epic stuff. And finally, I wanna thank the Vine Pear staff for helping me learn more every day. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Lewis M. Martini Winery. For more than 85 years, Lewis M. Martini Winery has crafted world-class Cabernet Sauvignon from exceptional vineyards of Napa and Sonoma counties. Our founder believed in a simple, honest premise best grapes make the best wine. This guy was one of the OGs, guys. Today, the legacy of ingenuity, endurance, and passion continue at the historic winery in Napa Valley with an acclaimed collection of unforgettable Cabernet Sauvignon wines. Louis M. Martini, craft your legacy.